0: Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money talk. Money talk. Good morning and welcome to a new week. This is Peter Lewis on Monday the 8th of May with Hong Kong's top business and finance show, the original Money Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, US jobs growth was stronger than expected in April, confounding expectations of a slowdown. The US economy added 253,000 non-farm jobs last month, beating forecasts of 180,000. The unemployment rate fell back to a half-century low of 3.4% from 3.5% the previous month. Hourly wage growth accelerated to half a month-on-month after a 0.3% increase in the prior month and that was the fastest increase in average hourly earnings in nine months. Activity in China's private services sector grew for the fourth consecutive month in April. The Kaishin China General Services PMI slipped to 56.4 from March's 28-month high of 57.8. However, it remained in expansionary territory in contrast to the manufacturing PMI, which has fallen into contraction territory. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen yesterday warned of economic chaos unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. She reiterated her warning that the Treasury Department may run out of measures to pay its debt obligations by June the 1st, causing a steep economic downturn in the U.S. HSBC on Friday comfortably defeated a proposal supported by its largest shareholder, Chinese insurer Ping An, which has been trying for more than a year to split the bank in search for better returns. At a shareholder meeting in Birmingham, England, it failed to gain the backing of any other major shareholder as investors voted to reject the proposal. HSBC Chairman Mark Tucker told the AGM the vote draws a line under the debate over the structure of the bank. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Frederick Chu, Managing Director at Magnum Research. With a view from mainland China is Ben Carinder, Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. And if you want to get in touch, please go to my website. You'll find it at PeterLewisMoneyTalk.substack.com. Peter, Lewis, Peter Lewis is money Talk. Risk appetite returned to Wall Street Friday after Apple, the largest U.S. company by market value, reported first quarter results that exceeded analysts' expectations. Apple's shares rallied 4.7%, helping to snap the S&P 500's four-day losing streak. The benchmark index climbed 1.9%, ending the day at 4,136. The Dow added 547 points, or 1.7%, to close at 33,674. The Nasdaq Composite advanced 2.3% and closed at 12,235. Despite Friday's rally, the Dow and the S&P 500 logged their worst week since March. The Dow lost 1.2%, while the S&P 500 dropped 0.8%. The Nasdaq eked out a small weekly gain of 0.1%. Regional bank stocks bounced back on Friday, although small and mid-sized banks are still nursing heavy losses for the week after the failure of First Republic. The rebound for regional bank stocks was boosted by notes from JP Morgan, which upgraded Western Alliance, Zions, Bank Corp, and Comerica to overweight. The firm said those three banks appear substantially mispriced, in part due to short-selling activity. Shares of Los Angeles-based PacWest surged almost 82%, recouping some of its 49% decline on Thursday when the lender announced it was reviewing its strategic options. And in May so far, PacWest shares are down almost 57%. Hong Kong stocks led gains in the Asia-Pacific region. The Hang Seng Index rose 101 points, or half a percent, to 20,049. For the week, it was up 0.8%, the best week since March 31st. The tech index climbed 1% Friday, reducing its weekly losses to 0.2%. In mainland China, the Shanghai Composite slipped by half a percent to close at 3334 and for the week it was up a third of a percent. Futures markets are pointing to further gains for Hong Kong stocks this morning. The Hang Seng Index is expected to rally about 140 points at the open, that's 0.7%. Elsewhere in the markets, Brent crude oil fell over 6% on the week while US Treasury bond yields jumped higher and the yield curve steepened. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at PeterLewisMoneyTalk.Substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's. Let's welcome our guests. We have our regular Monday morning commentator, Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. And also with us is Frederick Chu, Managing Director at Magnum Research. Morning to you, Frederick. Hey, morning, Peter. Let's start in the US. US jobs growth was stronger than expected in April, confounding expectations of a slowdown. The US economy added 253,000 non-farm jobs last month, beating forecasts of 180,000. The figure compares with the average monthly gain of two hundred and ninety over the prior six months however the previous two months figures were revised sharply lower the unemployment rate fell back to a half century low of 3.4 percent from three and a half percent the previous month that matches the lowest reading since 1969 and compared with consensus forecasts of 3.6 percent and hourly wage growth accelerated to half a month-on-month after a third of a percent increase in the prior month. Analysts had expected them to remain steady at a third of a percent, and that was the fastest increase in average hourly earnings in nine months. Um, Alex, let me get your thoughts first. Um, a surprise, I suppose, on the unemployment rate and also on the average hourly earnings. What's your thoughts overall about the state of the U.S. labour market? I think
1: uh, this is still uh, surprisingly resilient. But, uh, of course, I think uh, people... Probably would expect uh, the, uh, the 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 hiring to slow down uh, later on. I think because uh, we do have a banking crisis, and that I think would limit banks' lending, and then uh, the impact of the interest rate hike I think finally will reflected on the job markets and we are seeing layoffs in many sectors right now so I think uh, later on probably we will see some impact on the real economy but uh, right now it is still surprisingly resilient I think because uh, probably be, um, probably because of the uh, strength in the uh, services sector.
0: This um, We had a sharp revision downwards in previous months, didn't we? The the two months Mm. prior from that in March. um, Initially, the estimate was for 236,000 jobs. That got revised down to 165,000. Is that a sign maybe that the the jobs market is slowing and maybe it's going to be set to slow uh, more in the coming months, do you think? I think it will slow in the coming months, uh, because as I've said, uh, at least uh, we got,
1: uh, some, um, tightening in the, in the, in the monetary base because mm. we do have, uh, the interest rate hike and also I think the bank sector will be more prudent in their lending. So, uh, that I think
0: finally will impact the, uh, the, the real economy. Hmm. Frederick what are your thoughts particularly on this revision down because analysts have really for quite a while now underestimated the strength of the US jobs market haven't they since the beginning of 2022 the US economy has added about 6 million jobs Analysts have been expecting about a cumulative 4.2 million jobs so quite a big difference between what the forecasts have been and where we actually are.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree that, uh, you know, it's uh, surprisingly good um, at this point of time. But uh, I I think one of the things that we we were arguing, it's... um you know, on the unemployment after the COVID uh, recovery, but then somehow we we tend to uh, miss that. You know, on, on the, especially on the tech sectors that you know we, we've been seeing layoffs, we're seeing you know cutting R and D budgets, we've been seeing you know the um, the uh, the the banks crisis recently were, were more more of the uh, you know um, uh, attached to the you know how startups are are operating under mm-hmm. these high interest uh, and high funding uh, cost environment. So I think uh, you know coming up we we'll be seeing. Uh, a bit more cutback in jobs, uh, partic- particularly on the uh, innovative side, uh, whereas you know the hiring is, is tend to be uh, much much slower. Um, so you know I, I think the market should be getting ready for you know some you know di- different figures, e- even though you revise down on, on the previous figures that might not be uh, you know factor in all these uh, uh, considerations.
0: Of course, this all comes after the Fed raised interest rates um, last week. Jerome Powell said in his uh, in his statement after the the meeting that the Labor market was extraordinarily tight, but he said there are some signs that supply and demand are coming back into better balance. Are you seeing those signs in these in these figures?
2: Um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's um, it's it's looking looking that way. To be honest, I think uh, that what the Fed is is trying to. You know, obviously, justify on, on what the actions have been taking uh, through the through uh, you know the the May meeting and, and potentially on the on the upcoming ones. Um, but uh, you know, I th- think we should uh, you know stay put on what what's ex- exactly is turning up now.
0: Alex, the Fed has indicated that it 's now in pause mode when it comes mm. to um, sort of changing interest rates. I suppose the key question is um, how long is that pause going to last? Are, are they going to stay um, on, on hold for a while and, and what does this data do to that, uh, that sort of thinking
1: Of course, uh, it would a uh, pause uh, and it would be very data dependent because uh, we do have um, some slowdown in inflation. Uh, if you look at the commodity markets actually uh, they are they are picking out and they are not uh, going to be in bullish mood. Uh, I, I think uh, very likely market will still price in recessions in that market. So um, uh, they probably have uh, some room to pause uh, at least uh, they would not wait. high uh, but I think uh, the, the focus would be whether they would uh, cut rates uh, later on this year. and I think this is a uh, very premature and the market actually
0: is is, is quite positive uh, on that side. You, you don't think maybe that there's more of a chance that they may even raise rates again in, in June? Uh, they probably will pause, and I
1: think uh, the weight probably will have, have peak, but uh, uh, whether we would see a rate cut soon, I think uh, that is very questionable. Mm. Frederick, what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, I, I pretty, pretty much think, think, think things the same. I, I mean, the real interest rate is currently you know at par and... Uh, Uh, you know, at at least I think at least the Fed will pause for uh, you know, a a couple of uh, meetings down the road Um, and uh, you know, the the growth is going to slow down. I think people talk about recessions coming up Uh, I think even though it's a a recession, that could be a light one Uh, but then, you know, there's still quite a bit of uh, uncertainty down down the road for, for the next couple of
0: quarters what what does this unemployment rate 3.4 percent it's the joint lowest now since 1969 it, it doesn't really suggest a recession does it when you've got unemployment at that at that sort of levels do, do you think maybe the U.S. will avoid a, a recession or has, has there got to be more tightening even
2: yeah, that's why right. I think the um, the uh, you know a, re- a you know a deep recession is is not likely at least from uh, you know from what we are seeing at at this mm-hmm. point of time, uh, but a slowdown in growth is probably something that that we're expecting, and, and the slowdown in in growth uh, from U.S. in terms of you know c- uh, consumption as the biggest consumer in the world. I think that would have a chain reaction into you know areas like the like China and those manufacturing countries.
0: Mm-hmm. Alex, what, what do you think about this unemployment rate? I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, really, isn't it? Yep. I mean, we're the lowest in fifty years. Doesn't suggest a recession's coming.
1: Yeah, but I think uh, the, the economy was slow down because like I have said um, we have do have a rate hike, uh, like a series of rate hike already, and then we do have the grand crisis. And so we would see the impact on the real economy. So I think uh, the environment will start to rise
0: again. Mm. Okay. Let's turn our attention to China because we've had some data out here as well. Activity in China's private services sector grew for the fourth consecutive month in April. The Kaishin China General Services PMI slipped to 56.4 in April from March's 28-month high of 57.8. However, it did remain in expansionary territory, which is in contrast to the manufacturing PMI, which fell into contraction both new orders and foreign sales increased at softer paces while employment grew the least in three months business sentiment deteriorated to a four-month low and on the price front input cost inflation accelerated to a 12-month high due to elevated staffing costs and higher prices for raw materials while output cost inflation rose slightly um, Alex it's we're getting a picture now aren't we we've, we've got now all four surveys the two kaishin surveys mm-hmm. the two official ones both saying the same thing that, that uh, services is doing okay, but manufacturing isn't? I think manufacturing would still be bad because uh, we are seeing uh, relocations of uh,
1: manufacturing base by foreign companies. And I think uh, the demands from uh, overseas actually will slow down later on. So manufacturing sectors would still be bad. Uh, The first services sector is strong because we are still seeing revenge spending by Chinese uh, citizens. I think uh, that probably would still be okay for a while. What do you think, Frederick?
2: Uh, I think um, th- the consumption in China is still yet to pick up um, at, at this point of time. I think uh, you know the the, the service sector is is giving out, you know some pretty good numbers, but if we look at um, the for instance the property market it, it's still underwater um, you know demand for new, new housing it's, it's still not not really picking up that, that mm-hmm. causes further further troubles to the uh, you know, property developers. Um, and the um, consumer products, uh, you know, it's you know the, the commercial activities are, are picking up back to you know uh, near the uh, pre-COVID times, um, but the way of spending money uh, is still not. Um, we, we're not seeing it back to back back there yet. If, if you if you go to China recently, you see that you know the taxis. Uh, in pre-COVID times, you, you probably have to have a, uh, you know use the app, otherwise you, you won't be able to get a taxi on the street. Mm. But right now, it's line of taxi on like Shenzhen, uh, you know, Chongqing, those areas, line of taxi on the street. So, I, I mean, th- it could be lifestyle changes, you know, after COVID that you know um, you, you don't really want to go out that much or some sort. Of, but I, I think the consumption is still you know under some weight.
0: Do you think consumption will bounce back? I mean, people are are expecting it, aren't they? They're expecting this big um, sort of rebound. We we did have some good figures for over the Labor Day um, holiday in terms of trips being made and and consumer spending, but do you think it can last?
2: It could be. Uh, I mean, at least the uh, liquidity is is quite adequate in in, in China. We're not seeing a tightening uh, monetary policy. And if the, you know, one one of the biggest... um, uh, you know, focus for the policymaker this year—it's it, uh, obviously the boosting of the consumption, uh, domestic consumption, and if the company, uh, sorry, I mean if the government is keen on doing that, I'm sure they will do it. Mm.
0: What, do, do you think, Alex, that if, if this sort of revenge spending fizzles out, which it often tends to do, what, what's left to actually sort of boost the Chinese economy? Because over, overseas demand is not great, is it? And uh, the export mm. markets are slowing down. Where will the growth come from?
1: Uh, of course, that would be still from the government spending, I think, on infrastructures, etc. So we are still depending a lot on, uh, on state spending. And I think uh, probably uh, China will try to attract foreign monies on state-owned assets. Because uh, that probably would translate into a state-owned um, spending as well. So I mm-hmm. think uh, right now we are seeing is a, a, a very bullish market on state-owned enterprises in, the, in in Hong Kong and China. So probably that would be the way to attract. And I think probably we will see
0: some IPOs coming from that sector later on. But the, uh, that's sort of really going back to the old sort of growth model, isn't it? So uh, we we had the, uh, uh, the the Chinese leadership, the Central Financial and Economic Affairs Commission, over end of last week talking about um, new industries, building sort of modern industries, um, also doing things about uh, childcare, developing a universal childcare service system to get more people into work. But none of this, um, what's actually happening doesn't seem to do any of the building of new industries, just investing in, uh, you know, more bridges and roads isn't going to do it, is it? I think probably also uh, stay on asset probably doesn't mean that just they own
1: fixed asset. I think they probably would sort of spread out into uh, private sector the services as well, I think, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, probably private sector investment would be would not be that strong. So they probably would step into the, uh, those areas as well. So I think uh, probably... Uh, even though China Mobile is still China Mobile, but I think uh, they probably would do more new business, so no new, new branches of our uh, services. So mm. that
0: I think uh, is uh, some changes in in state-owned uh, enterprises. Frederick, when when China talks about building uh, modern industries, what what sort of things is it talking about?
2: Well, I, I think it's it's a cycle thing in, in in China. You know, it's especially coming from from policy perspective. You know, go go public, go private, and mm-hmm. then uh, rebuilding, etc. I think it's it's more of, uh, you know, how you want to regulate a particular sector, like um, building up new industries. It all has to do probably with a new exchange or, you know, um, new tech uh, type of, uh, you know, a business model. Uh, it's really about, you know, how right at this point of time, I think that what the government is, is really up, really interested in doing is how to, you know, better regulate each of these uh, business sectors, and not let them to be, you know, cross over too much to some other areas that they are unable to uh, get a hold of. Uh, the finance sector, obviously, it's coming up to be the major focus. You know, that we be seeing a, you know, a mega uh, regulator which you know stay above all the, uh, uh, you know, commissioners and then coming down to cross border fundings and, and all sort of things like that so uh, i think that the new industry to me is really a new form of uh, of uh, you know uh, you know formality uh, uh, from uh, from a government's uh, standpoint
0: and what happens to the old industries? Do they just get phased out? The things that uh, the, the government wants to have replaced—is—is is you know, are we going to see some dramatic changes, or is this going to be a gradual phasing out of, I don't know, maybe coal-related industries and moving into more environmental-friendly type industries?
2: Yeah, I think moving into uh, or, or transforming into a more comfortable uh, uh, reality—that—that that the. That the Government would, would want it to be. I mean, the you know the um, the, the the major engine is still coming in from you know tech, finance, real estate, property, etc. But uh, the, you know th- those are the sectors still still exist for you know uh, the uh, you know long time. But then, you know the way they operate. Uh, could be fundamentally different. Mm.
0: Alex, one thing that's been very noticeable over the past couple of weeks is as we've had the earnings reports from US and European companies, how much China has popped up um, in in those results? We had companies like... um, Estee Lauder had its biggest share price fall on record when it said that uh, there was a more gradual recovery um, than expected. LVMH as well was also mm. warning. But then we had some other companies like Adidas saying they were quite optimistic um, about China. But it, it is noticeable, isn't it, that China really is having an impact on overseas companies? Of course. I think
1: Estee Lauder is individual problems. I think this caught got its uh, own um A project problem, so that problem may not be that uh, representative. But anyway, I think uh, uh, China would be a very important part, and foreign companies' representation, I think, uh, would still be very important. But uh, one thing to note, I think, is the uh, resentment of the um, American culture, I think. Probably Mm -hmm. we would see strength in, in, in Japanese companies or European companies more than uh, US, I think, because mm. uh, we do have uh, some resentment towards uh, American uh, c- cultures right now in China.
0: Mm, that's an interesting thought. I mean, have have maybe the American companies overestimated, you think, their business in China and the growth that they could see from China?
1: Probably, because if you just look at the boss um, offices uh, of uh, Hollywood movies in China, actually Marvels uh, do have some tumble in, in their post office in China. Mm. So I think uh, this is at some point to note uh, in the future.
0: And Starbucks, they were warning that it was going to be a difficult environment as well. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It does seem to be the American companies, whereas um, firms like uh, Budweiser, for example, they, they were quite positive.
1: Budweiser actually <laughs> has his own problem in America <laughs> right now. <laughs>
0: What, what, what do you think, Frederick? I mean, there, there is this um, divergence now, isn't there, between overseas companies? You know, where, we're seeing some, those that have raised the bar too high seem to be disappointed, whereas those companies that have been warning about, you know, don't expect too much from China, they're the ones that seem to have surprised and, and seem to be a bit more bullish and optimistic.
2: I I think it's more to do with um The way that you think you can do business in China. I think, you know, for foreign foreign companies, uh, they they always have a um, uh, perception. It's, uh, you know, China, big country, many people, you know, uh, a big market and so forth. And once you step into it and then you operate it in your own way or in your home way, um, then you get uh, what, what you expect of them. But it's, it's not the case. I mean, mm. China is a very unique market. have a unique culture. It has, uh, you, know, the, um, you know, the kind of Chinese way of, of, of thinking uh, towards many things. So I think you really have to understand how things are working. Just like uh, Japan, wh- why do we have to exit Japan out of the entire Asia? It's because of the uniqueness in, in the culture. And if you want to do business mm-hmm. there, you really have to be on the ground. Um, you know, have the uh, you know domestic type of thinking uh, and planning in order to help you to to, to get through many things. Um, but we, you know, it's it's we we've been seeing numerous cases like the you know, foreign con- foreign companies coming to China, you know, operating in their own wage, and comes up with a, you know, some sort of a, a clash. I'm not saying about like which one is good or, or not good, but it's just a clash that you you really have to get through.
0: Mm. I want to get your thoughts about the markets um, out here as well but also let's start in the, the US we seem to have a bit of a, um, a risk on market on Friday didn't we Alex uh, sort of sentiment seems to be improved the, the, the share prices of some of these regional banks um, rebounded but how, are we sort of out of the crisis do you think or um, is this there's more to come
1: I think at least uh, we are out of the banking crisis I think that I think uh, we're only limited to the um, regional bank sectors People probably would not worry about the um, large banks in the, in the U.S. right now. And, but I think uh, overall, the credit um, actually would be tightened later on because of this. Um, so that would have some impact on other sectors later on. Um, for overall, I think the uh, U.S. market actually is supported by a few countries right now. Uh, and people are talking about a very weak uh, breath in the market in the mm-hmm. U.S. So um, and also the S and P actually has a very strong resistance around hundred right now. It's so just at- about
0: ten companies, isn't it, that are holding up the S and P 500, which is not great.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that that's the, the 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 key concern right now because we have uh, we have do have some spread out in 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 on Friday. Uh, that is uh, some encouraging sign, but uh, the point is that uh, we do have a uh, we trade in treasuries recently, and, mm-hmm. and and also the U.S. dollar actually is not that weak. Uh, so I think uh, we we should be a little bit prudent because uh, every time when the S and P approaches uh, uh forty two hundred actually they, they got uh, mm-hmm. pull back. So that is uh, a key level to watch right now.
0: Frederick, there's another crisis potentially brewing Janet Yellen warning that if the debt ceiling isn't raised uh, the government's going to run out of money by the 1st of June and it's going to be an economic and a constitutional crisis is she overplaying her hand here or is she right?
2: Yeah I think so I think it's just a political drama here I'm I'm more more looking into you know the um, banking thing is it's not credit crunch, but uh, it's all about, you know, how these how these um, depositors, which are the, you know, the the startup companies are are, are spending money and and their business model, etc. But but, uh, the the political side, I think it's going to be resolved last minute.
0: Okay. Alex, let me ask you about Sort of Asian markets in general. What I want to get some thoughts on are if this scenario plays out, where the Fed is now on pause for a while, maybe for the rest of the year, um, the U.S. economy slows, maybe doesn't crash into recession, but but slows moderately. What does this mean for Asian stock markets in particular? are, Are there certain markets that you should be looking at that could benefit from this scenario, and some that you should avoid, and also particular sectors that might benefit and you should avoid?
1: Well, I think uh, we probably would still see polarization, and the market as a whole would not go much higher or much lower. I think uh, probably we will stuck in, within, within a range uh, for certain markets, I think. Uh, last time we talked about Indonesia, I think Indonesia should still be interesting. And then, uh, Japan actually, I, uh, is boosted by, uh, Warren Buffett comment. I think, uh, that probably will still attract fund flows. And, and also I think, uh, D B O J statement actually is still encouraging. So, um, Japan, I think, uh, probably will still outperform and also it is benefiting from, uh, uh, the rising importance in, 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 in China markets by Japanese companies. So I think that probably would, would stand out as well. For, for Hong Kong, I think uh, people will still concentrate or concentrate on, uh, stay enterprises. Uh, probably that, that would outperform.
0: And what about India? The IMF is saying that China and India are basically the two growth engines uh, for Asia. Is that going to be reflected in the stock market? I think
1: India probably will underperform uh, because it's outperformed so long and then it has too much rep- representation in MSCI ex-Japan. Mm. So um, if China do have uh, some, some, some strength then probably that would be at the expense of India. And of course India got the short-seller short reports, and that has actually hurt uh, the overall sentiment as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Frederick, any countries or sectors in this region that stand out for you in this, uh, in this new environment of sort of the pet Fed being on hold?
2: Uh, I think if you look back at the one-year time span, uh, among Greater China, and U.S., China actually is doing not that bad. I mean, it's, if you look at the uh, the uh, Shanghai uh, Composite uh, in, 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 the, in the past one year, you know, you, you, you're getting eight, eight percent, nine percent return. Uh, I think if I would have to bet on, uh, I bet on China, shares as this year, um, you know, on the back of uh, you know the government support, even though the consumption is, is is due to pick up, but um, with, with 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 government policy, we know that in China, things are going to work out. Um, So, uh, you know, stimulus from from the government, one one of the major catalysts. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, as I agree with Alex, it's probably going into consolidation. uh, Not much surprise. Uh, And and U.S., it's just going sideways, you know, with uh, and lower band of 300, 400 points.
0: And what about the two markets that are very dependent upon tech exports, South Korea and um, and Taiwan? Um, are, th- are they going to suffer in this environment? We're seeing a slowdown, aren't we, in uh, in, in manufacturing and demand. So do you, do you think uh, is that priced into the markets or do you think there's more to go there in those two markets? Well,
1: in the meantime, they are supported by the uh, concept of AI. So uh, they probably would still be uh, that way, I think. But... Uh, the, the, the run actually is, uh, is losing steam right now, so uh, probably they would not uh, outperform as uh, they did uh, earlier.
0: Great. Well, thank you both very much. Great to hear your thoughts there this morning. That's Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Frederick Chu, who's Managing Director at Magnum Research.
3: Peter Lewis is money talk.
0: I'm joined now by Ben Kevinder, who is Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Um, can I get your thoughts, first of all, on the Chinese economy? We've had a lot of uh, PMI data out uh, last week. Seems to be showing a very consistent pattern, both the official uh, PMI numbers from the National Bureau of Statistics and the Kaishin numbers, manufacturing um, in contraction, but services holding up, but seems to be slowing a little bit compared to where it was over the last few months. What, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think the the feeling that a lot of people here on the ground have is that you know, if you look at the manufacturing data, that there was a, a bit of a pickup in the, you know, the first quarter of the year. Um, but that was mainly filling a lot of orders that maybe had been previously placed that, that factories couldn't fulfill because they were operating at limited capacity or couldn't get materials. And Now, I think what we're seeing is that there's still a fair amount of weakness in the global economy and in the demand that's being placed to Chinese factories. And so I think as a result of that, you're going to see manufacturing in china likely continuing to be a little bit weak over the next few months so maybe not quite the return to form that that maybe a lot of people were hoping for if instead you look at the the consumer side of the market i think we do have um a recovery now it's somewhat variable i'd say that uh depending on the consumer groups you're talking about people are getting out and spending and i'd say that you know white collar and you know middle class wealthy consumers they are spending more aggressively now, whether that, that's on travel domestically or internationally or on services that maybe they weren't paying for before because they were stuck at home and, and couldn't really avail themselves of those services. but if you look at the the consumer sentiment more broadly, I think there is still quite a bit of concern uh, regarding the economy right now, people worrying about wage growth or, or decline in wages still happening or about em- employment prospects so mm-hmm. um i'm you know i'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the economy. I do think we're in a recovery mode right now, but I don't think it's strong enough to really be that exciting right now for for businesses uh, for investment, but at the same time it's also not bad enough that I, I think we're going to see much in the way of stimulus coming from from Beijing. And so it kind of puts the economy in a little bit of an awkward position in terms of what the, the growth model is going to look like for the rest of the year.
0: Uh, it does seem, doesn't it, that maybe people have overestimated a little bit just how strong the Chinese economy was going to be coming out of all those um, lockdowns. As you say, we seem to be seeing a modest recovery, but it's certainly not a boom, is it? And when it comes to the consumer, they seem to be buying services rather than goods.
3: Yeah, it's still it's still very much services rather than goods and that makes sense, you know, people want to go out and and dine with friends or, you know, maybe take care of a medical procedure that that they couldn't get done during COVID or travel somewhere because they've been locked up at home, but they're still being very cautious about how they spend on material items because they just don't really know what the rest of the year is going to look like. And I I don't think there's been enough positive sentiment to really kind of get people out of that shell and that worry that maybe the economy is going to continue to slow down. I think there's another variable here as well, which is the real estate market and just, just how variable the recovery there has been as well. And I, I think you've got, you know, recent news popping up that's giving consumers further pause for concern, namely um, this national registration system that 's sort of going into place, so I think mm-hmm. people are sort of worried that maybe they aren't going to see the kind of guaranteed appreciation and value of properties now that maybe they saw on the past. So it's, it's not really considered a, a, a win-win opportunity from an investment standpoint.
0: Well, when we dig into the, the PMI data, one thing that stands out, the employment sub-index for manufacturing, that's now in contraction, been in contraction for two months already. And employment is also slowing in the services sector as well. Is that a worry? Is that going to ultimately weigh um, on the consumer? It's going to be Uh, He's going to be concerned about his job security, isn't he, rather than wanting to spend more?
3: Yeah, you know, I think it is a concern. You know, I think virtually every manufacturer that I've spoken to in the past couple of months, regardless of what sector they're manufacturing for, has said they either have or are expecting to, at some point, sort of reduce the number of people they have working the factory floor just because they're really concerned about future orders. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think that situation is going to improve anytime soon. And so... You know, ultimately, you need blue collar workers to ha- have sustainable wages and to be wanting to spend more in order for the economy here to grow. And you also need support for smaller businesses. And I think both of those areas are at risk right now. And so, so that's why we have this potential future malaise coming.
0: And what about inflation? It was noticeable also in the services PMI that um, prices do seem to remain elevated, don't they? Uh, Import prices certainly um, anyway. Is that a concern?
3: I think it's a it's a small concern. I mean, I you know higher input prices definitely are going to have an impact and and some of that's going to get passed on to the consumer which ultimately is going to make it hard to kind of speed up the economy because you are going to have people you know worrying about how far the the money in their wallet goes um, but having said that I, I you know overall china's really been quite insulated from inflation as compared to most other major economies and so it's a it's a little bit of a worry but maybe not as much of a worry as as we have elsewhere
0: and the central financial and economic affairs a commission at the end of last week was talking about building uh, modern industries it seems to be very focused upon this uh, race tensions with the the united states it was talking about a accelerating the construction of a modern industrial system. What what do they mean by that? Well, I
3: I think China is very much operating on this plan, that there are a few key sectors where China absolutely has to be the the dominant player globally over the next 50 years if they're going to be able to escape the middle income trap and sort of continue to create positive quality of life for Chinese nationals. Uh, And so I think if you look at where stimulus money is going to go and where government investment is going to go. It's really going to be earmarked for semiconductor industry, for applications that, that rely on those semiconductors, so quantum computing, AI, uh, battery technology. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see a lot of growth in those spaces. But at the same time, it's it's very hard to completely direct economic policy and have it work perfectly, especially if you're not also supporting regular everyday small businesses.
0: And what does the this slowdown in China's economy or the deceleration anyway mean for overseas companies, European and US companies? operating in China. The, the the China business is popping up quite a lot in their earnings reports at the moment, isn't there? Estelle Lauda uh, mentioned it when it had its big sh- uh, share price fall. Adidas and Hauser-Busch have all been talking about their businesses um, in China. It seems that maybe some of them anyway have certainly sort of overestimated uh, the, the rebound and then that's hit their share prices when, uh, when investors have been disappointed in the earnings call.
3: Yeah, I think um, a couple of things have happened. I think one is is that China really carried global sales for a lot of these companies for the first couple of years of the pandemic. And I think a lot of companies did a really poor job of both uh, forecasting in the, the closure of the economy here and then forecasting the reopening. And so they've sort of been put in a precarious position with too much inventory, not really being able to sell through to consumers here, while still putting a lot of pressure on China as a market to kind of carry growth globally so that's that's where you see the problem happening but i think the the bigger issue going through covid is that a lot of um, multinationals didn't really either empower their local teams enough or kind of paused a little bit on investment and support here and the end result has been it's given domestic chinese firms room to become quite a bit more competitive so whether you're talking about beer sales or you're talking about cosmetics um they're really operating in a different environment now it's still a really good market and, and f- large foreign brands especially should be investing here and in, in trying to, to take a, a winning position in the market but they have a lot more competition than they did a year ago or two years ago
0: and are the geopolitical tensions also worrying them as well and, and maybe uh causing them to pause a little bit their investments?
3: well yeah i i think it's a i think it is a concern uh uh, especially if you're in more sensitive industries. I think if you look at tech, for example, it very much should be a concern because th- there are going to be a lot of eyes on the business and it, it may just be impossible to operate cleanly here. Um, if you look at more consumer goods type brands, I think the reality when you talk to consumers is that they're still very much driven by, is this you know, the right brand heritage? Is it the right style? Is it the right fashion? Um, and they're continuing to purchase foreign brands. But at the same time, there's just... There's a lot more competition uh, for their choice.
0: Mm. And how much is this new um, counter espionage law affecting um, Chinese uh, overseas businesses in China? Is that something they're worried about? Because we've seen these raids, haven't we, on the offices of Bain and some other consultancies? Is that a concern for companies?
3: Yeah, I, I think it, it. You know, it should be a concern. I think you know the reality is if. If the business is operating cleanly, um, it may get a close looking at, but ultimately will be okay. But I think there's some things that, that that foreign businesses, especially, need to be really leery of doing here. And so one would be doing direct research into, you know, how a, a, another business, especially a Chinese business, operates, who the stakeholders are, who they're related to, things like that, because that's going to get a lot of scrutiny right now from the government. And you know, counter espionage laws like this could come down very hard on. on on businesses that offer those services so i think it's a it's a case of be very very careful what you're doing here and make sure that everything is is very clear and above board
0: i mean what they do a lot of these companies is they sort of research in depth what is publicly available information and particularly trawl through a lot of data don't they and then they come up with these reports but that seems to have um, alarmed the authorities in beijing the the ease of access that these companies have to that data
3: yeah, I I think I think Beijing is very concerned about how that information is being parsed and it seems very clear that it's going to be increasingly difficult to get access to some of that data. Mm. Um, you know, it's very it's very difficult for, for Beijing to say that it's unreasonable for somebody to be looking at publicly available data and, and drawing inferences, but I think what they what they kind of stand on is this idea that maybe these companies then go a step too far in terms of the 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 line connecting they're doing or the additional sources of information that they're they're going to um so it's it's just a it's a very touchy area right now and it's not going to be a big issue for for most companies here but if you're looking at companies that are doing this sort of due diligence type work i, I think it's time to be very very careful
0: mm. tell me a little bit about the markets the chinese markets despite um the the fairly good gdp data um, and, and the recent economic data that we've seen which is showing a modest rebound the chinese markets seem to be the global underperformers at the moment
3: yeah i think um you know I think on the one hand, you have the the concerns regarding politics, and that's that's made a lot of uh, foreign funds very leery of sort of increasing their investment in China right now because they're just waiting to see how things shake out. I think the other side of this as well, which I sort of alluded to before, is that you know we we've had we have this rebound happening and it's in some ways stronger maybe than than people had expected. And the result of that is that now we're not expecting to see much in the way of direct stimulus coming from the government. I think a lot of investors were expecting that stimulus to happen and and seeing that as the thing that was going to really propel growth for a lot of these stocks. And and now that that's not likely to happen, maybe the the upside case for for how performance is going to go, at least for the first half of this year, is quite a bit more bearish than it was previously. and, And that's why you're seeing the
0: underperformance. Ben, always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. That's Ben Cavender, who is Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. Thank you for listening this morning. Do please take a look at my daily newsletter which has far more information on it on some of the topics that we've been talking about today. You'll find that at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant Stuart Allcroft, Sean DeBow, Chief Executive Officer at Horizon Capital Asia, and our U.S. Economics Correspondent, Writer and Broadcaster Barry Wood. Have a great day. Money Talk.